0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to
1: Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Pueblo, Colorado. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Kelsey Schelling was a 21-year-old college student in Denver, Colorado, who was known for her faith, family values, and her upbeat personality. She was the kind of girl who made everyone feel heard and loved. She was strong and independent, loyal, and always reliable. Kelsey had recently and unexpectedly found out that she was pregnant with her first child from her on again, off again boyfriend, Dante, who lived in Pueblo almost two hours away from her. On the morning of Monday, February 4th, 2013, Kelsey went to the OB for her first prenatal appointment. She got to hear her sweet baby's heartbeat for the first time, got to see him or her wiggling around, and confirmed that she was indeed eight weeks pregnant. Kelsey instantly fell in love and sent the ultrasound pictures to her mom, Dante, and Dante's mom. When her appointment wrapped up, she headed off to work at Floor & Decor where she started getting some texts from Dante. Now, they'd been arguing the night before, but his attitude had changed. This time, he said he had a surprise for her. When she asked what it was, the Pueblo chieftain reports that Dante told her, Just wait and see for yourself. You probably wouldn't believe me if I told you. So, Kelsey finished up her shift, packed up a few things, and took the almost two-hour drive to Pueblo that night. The following morning, the morning of the 5th, KOAA reports that her supervisor got an oddly written text from Kelsey saying that she was in the emergency room because her baby was growing in the wrong place, seemingly talking about an ectopic pregnancy where your baby implants in your fallopian tubes. Her supervisor thought it was weird considering she'd just seen Kelsey and the ultrasound photo the day before and Kelsey had been elated that her pregnancy was healthy and that was definitely a photo of an eight-week-old fetus smack dab in the middle of Kelsey's uterus. On the 6th, Kelsey was supposed to open the store but she was a no-call no-show which wasn't like her at all. Her supervisor thought that maybe it was due to these sudden pregnancy complications that didn't make a ton of sense, but she also had the feeling that something just wasn't right. And she wasn't the only one. Kelsey kept in constant contact with her mom, especially since finding out that she was going to be a mom herself. But after that late night trip to Pueblo, whenever her mom would call her, it would go to voicemail, only to then receive a text from her daughter. And the texts that she did get were short and to the point, which wasn't like Kelsey at all. Within the next few days, Kelsey's dad tried calling her and he too would only get her voicemail. Within these same few days, Kelsey's friends started to reach out to her family asking if Kelsey was okay because they also couldn't get a hold of her. On February 7th, Kelsey's phone turned off. Phone calls no longer rang, text messages weren't being delivered, and this concern that something was wrong became more of a panic. Her family decided to give it a couple more days to see if maybe she was going through something, if somehow her texts to her supervisor were right and her baby had all of a sudden started growing in the wrong place and Kelsey just didn't want to talk about it. With no way to call or text anyone, her family decided to go by her apartment to check on her, but Kelsey wasn't there, and neither was her car. I mean, everything else was there, everything you'd expect to see in a 21-year-old's apartment, but she wasn't. At the end of their rope, her family decided to call Dante's mom, someone they didn't know particularly well, to see if maybe Kelsey was still in Pueblo, but Dante's mom said that Kelsey wasn't there either. By February 9th, 2013, after five days of not seeing Kelsey or hearing her voice and no way to contact her for the last two days, they knew in their guts that something was very, very wrong. So Kelsey's mom went down to the Denver Police Department and officially reported her daughter missing. While police started their investigation, Kelsey's family set up a Facebook page, Help Find Kelsey, and they got down to business getting the word out. I say family because this was a full family effort, from her parents to step-parents, siblings, and even her siblings' spouses. They tell everyone that Kelsey was last seen on February 4th when she took her black Chevy Cruze LTE down to Pueblo to meet with her boyfriend, and that no one has seen her or her vehicle since. They hope that maybe, even if no one can find Kelsey, someone will spot her vehicle and they can get a better idea of where she might be or what might have happened to her. By February 12th, the police follow her family's footsteps and put out a statewide alert to be on the lookout for Kelsey and her Chevy Cruze. They describe her as 5'4", 120 pounds, with brown hair and hazel eyes, and say that she has a fleur-de-lis tattoo on her ribs, a Chinese symbol on her neck, and a cursive scroll on her arm. Police are sure to note that her birthday is actually coming up the following week, because surely, if Kelsey is okay, she wouldn't miss her own birthday. The Daily Mail reports that police don't suspect foul play at this point, but that it's out of character for Kelsey to just not show up to work and let her phone die, let alone let it stay dead. Everyone waits around anxiously for some kind of update, and three days later, they get one. Kelsey's boyfriend, Dante, has been arrested. But it's for theft and suspicion of identity theft. I mean, his girlfriend and the mother of his child is missing, and he's going out stealing money and identities? It just seemed odd and like some real shitty judgment, and everyone had several questions. But when they tried to find out more information about Dante's arrest, they couldn't. Because his arrest affidavit had been sealed, which is extremely uncommon for arrest on such petty charges. You only tend to see documents sealed when they'll give out information to a high profile and ongoing investigation or when releasing the document is going to name names that the police want to protect. But again, these were pretty small charges and none of it made any sense. On the 18th, Dante celebrates Kelsey's birthday by bonding out of jail, and Kelsey's family is left knowing now more than ever that something is very, very wrong. She still hadn't reached out to anyone, her phone was still dead, and not a single person had spotted her or her vehicle. Almost an entire month goes by with no updates on Kelsey. Literally nothing. Her family keeps circulating her information on the Help Find Kelsey Facebook page, but the police don't seem to be making any headway on her case. That is until March 15th when they hold a press conference. At this press conference, an officer states that Kelsey's cell phone records show that she did, in fact, make it to Pueblo on the night of the 4th, but it was to meet an acquaintance. The use of the word acquaintance seems odd. I mean, she was heading more than 100 miles down to Pueblo to meet with Dante for this surprise she had to see to believe. Was this acquaintance someone else? The officer says that CCTV footage from the Walmart on 4080 West Northern in Pueblo, a Walmart less than a mile from Dante's grandmother's house, a house he stayed at frequently, shows that Kelsey's car parked at the south end of the parking lot by the General Merchandise section on the 5th around 12.05 p.m. Now, this is the morning after she went to Pueblo, and police didn't say that Kelsey parked her car there on the 5th, just that it was parked there. Looking at what police aren't saying, who parked Kelsey's car at this Walmart? They continue on to say that the following morning at 7.20 a.m., we're at February 6th now, an unknown person walks into view of the Walmart cameras, gets into Kelsey's vehicle that was parked there less than 24 hours ago, and drives off. The kicker, though, is that Kelsey's vehicle isn't missing anymore. This unknown person had driven it away from the Walmart, but police had finally found it, and it was the day before this press conference. They had found it parked in the parking lot of the St. Mary Corwin Hospital, and it had been there since 5.30 a.m. on the 7th. Between 7.20 a.m. on the 6th when this unknown person picked up Kelsey's car from the Walmart and 5.30 a.m. on the 7th when it was dropped off, Kelsey's car is completely unaccounted for. Police don't mention Dante at all in this press conference, just this acquaintance she was supposed to meet at Walmart on the 4th. And more so, there's no mention of Kelsey being seen at any of the places that her vehicle was. Authorities don't release the CCTV footage from the Walmart or the hospital. They just mention the strange activity of her vehicle, the unknown person, and ask that anyone with information about Kelsey or her whereabouts contact the Pueblo Police Department. Two more weeks pass before there is any kind of break in Kelsey's case, and it comes in the form of surveillance photos. A reporter from KOAA reports that police want help identifying the man who walked from the back of the Walmart to get into Kelsey's car and drive it away on the morning of the 6th. The problem is that these are some of the least helpful pictures in the history of mankind. This person is pretty much indistinguishable from any other human on the face of the planet, other than the fact that compared to their surroundings, this person looks very tall. And wouldn't you know, Kelsey's boyfriend Dante is six foot seven. On April 8th, a post on Facebook reveals that Pueblo's Crimes Against Persons division is out in numerous areas of the city using canines specialized in missing persons cases, and they're out searching for Kelsey or any evidence that might point them to what happened to her. And it's hopeful because it's something, but two months and a lot of weather later, there's only so much a sent article is going to get you, and the search seemingly comes up empty. Time continues to tick by, and no one really knows what is going on when it comes to finding Kelsey and her unborn child. Her family updates the Help Find Kelsey Facebook page pretty much every single day. They put up flyers anywhere and everywhere that they can, but as far as physical movement in the case, it either looks stalled or like nothing is being done. And to add insult to injury, locals start noticing that some of the flyers they'd put up around the Walmart where her car had been parked have been taken down. By April 29th, Kelsey's family decides that they're going to hold their own press conference, and when they start talking, everyone listens. At their own press conference, Kelsey's family tells the world that Kelsey did in fact meet up with Dante on the 4th, and that no one has seen or heard from her since. But that doesn't mean that her bank account hasn't been used— Her family lets everyone know that on February 5th, Dante used Kelsey's debit card, and that is why he was arrested on those theft and identity theft charges. They add that when Dante originally spoke with authorities, he told them that he'd taken Kelsey to the hospital, but her family says that she was never seen on the hospital's security footage when her vehicle was dropped off on the 7th, and the hospital has absolutely no record of her ever being there. Additionally, they say that Dante has stopped talking to police. Kelsey's family is certain that whatever happened to her and her unborn child happened on the night of the 4th. And they wrap up their press conference with the announcement that they're now offering $10,000 for any information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the suspect or suspects responsible for Kelsey and what would have been their first grandchild's disappearance. After this press conference, heads are spinning and everyone is wondering why there isn't more heat on Dante. I mean, we know she went down to Pueblo to see him and that they did in fact meet up, that some very tall mystery person parked her car at the Walmart less than a mile from his grandmother's house on the 5th, the same day that he used Kelsey's debit card, Then her car was picked up and moved the following morning after having disappeared for almost 24 hours and was dropped off at a hospital less than four miles from his grandmother's house, a hospital that Dante said he took Kelsey to but has no record of her ever being there. KDRO tries to get an interview with Dante to hear what he has to say following these new details, but he tells them that he's been advised by his attorney not to speak about Kelsey's case but in an act of pure stupidity, he decides that talking to the station over the phone about her case must not count. He tells the outlet that he's known Kelsey since 2011, but has never dated her and wasn't dating her when she went missing. The lion, the witch, and the audacity of this bitch. On April 31st, Kelsey's mom takes to Facebook upset that Dante lied his ass off about ever dating Kelsey and tells him to do the right thing and take a lie detector test. But from what I can tell, he never does. Billboards with Kelsey's photo and information start popping up around Pueblo, with one specifically placed by the Walmart her car was seen at, a place that Dante would have to pass by any time he went to or from his grandmother's house. Weeks go by, and again, there is no news on Kelsey. By May 19th, her family decides to start doing their own searches since nothing else seems to be being done about their missing daughter, sister, and grandchild. They plan it for a weekend so no one has to take off work and anyone and everyone can come help out. They plan to search the south side of Pueblo since that's where the Walmart and the hospital are and more than 100 people come out to help. Frankly, some who attend say it was probably more like 200. They spend an entire day searching, and when they're getting ready to wrap up, Kelsey's family is informed that the area they'd been combing over for hours, with more than 100 volunteers, had already been searched by the Pueblo Police Department. Her father was devastated. This would have been good information to know before 200 people cleared their day to come help them look for their daughter, and he apologizes profusely to everyone who volunteered. Now, the volunteers were just happy to be able to help, but to her family, it showcased a lack of communication between them and the police department, and they felt like they'd wasted an entire day of resources that could have been used to search somewhere that hadn't been searched already. In case you were wondering, Dante, nor any members of his family, showed up for this search. Kelsey's family spends the next few months constantly updating the Help Find Kelsey Facebook page. They create a website for quick information and updates, and they create a toll-free number that anyone can call to submit tips. I saw one mention that her mother might have made postcards to send out about Kelsey's disappearance, which is brilliant and something I've never seen done before, and they continue to put up those flyers and focus on making sure that everyone in the Pueblo area knows who she is and the information that they have thus far. You couldn't do a cartwheel in Pueblo without seeing something about Kelsey. The six month mark comes and goes, and Kelsey's family is frustrated with the lack of progress in her case. So in August, they hire their own private investigator, and he goes to work behind the scenes. And it looks like this move might have lit a fire under some asses because on August 29th, Pueblo's Nine News, for the first time in the history of Kelsey's case, names Dante as an official person of interest in Kelsey's disappearance. Up until that point, it had been a pretty obvious conclusion to anyone following her case, but it had never been officially stated by anyone. The fact that it was now was a pretty big deal. Kelsey's family organizes another search on August 31st. They ask volunteers to wear long pants and sunscreen, and they spend the entire day sifting through thick brush and tumbleweed looking for Kelsey, but come up empty. But at least this time, they knew they were searching somewhere that hadn't already been searched. On September 12, 2013, just two weeks after Dante was officially named a person of interest, and more than six months since Kelsey went missing, KKTV announces that police are finally starting to suspect foul play. I want to point out here that WebMD lists homicide as the leading cause of death for pregnant women. Kelsey had her first prenatal appointment on the day she went to Pueblo, and her phone records show that she never left. Her debit card was used by the boyfriend she went there to see the day after she was last seen by anyone. Her vehicle was moved twice by a person who wasn't her, and it even just full on disappeared for 18 hours or so before being moved to a hospital that has no record of Kelsey having ever been there. It took until the day before Kelsey's proposed due date for police to announce that they finally suspect foul play. September 14th would have been Kelsey's due date, but there was no charge to her insurance that she'd checked into a hospital to give birth and no word from Kelsey that she'd had the baby. Her family organizes another search, and again, they come up empty. Two months later, in November of 2013, her family decides to switch things up. Instead of a search, this time they hold a rally. They're tired of feeling like the only ones trying to solve Kelsey's case. People show up in shirts with Kelsey's photo on them and signs demanding that the Pueblo Police Department actively work Kelsey's case. They also announce on Kelsey's website that the reward for information has increased from $10,000 to $50,000. They're hoping that if time doesn't make someone talk, maybe money will. On December 29th, Nine News does an update on the search for Kelsey and what would be her three-month-old baby and notes the police as saying that Dante was in fact the last person to speak To Kelsey, and that they continue to monitor him. Now, Kelsey's phone had been used to text several people in the days following her late night trip to Pueblo family, friends, and co workers but it was only through text. Whoever had her phone would never answer it. Either they, too, don't believe that the texts were sent by Kelsey, or they're just carefully using the term speak to point out that Kelsey did, in fact, meet up with Dante on the 4th, like her family said in their own press conference eight freaking months ago, and this information is old as fuck. Regardless, the bottom line here is that the last person known to have ever seen Kelsey alive is Dante, and his hospital story doesn't add up. But at least police are still monitoring him 10 months later. For whatever it's worth, it doesn't look like they have anyone else on their radar. The outlet speaks to Kelsey's mom, who says that she knows in her heart that Kelsey isn't alive, but that she needs her back in order to get any type of closure. But as of yet, she still hasn't been found, and neither has that phone that texted people for days after she went missing. The public is pretty fed up at this point. They've seen one mention of a search by police and nothing after. The updates they get on her case are few and far between, and it seems like no one is doing anything about all of the signs that seem to point directly to Dante. So on January 6 of 2014, in true professional form, the Pueblo Police Department takes to Facebook to seemingly try to defend themselves. They tell everyone that Kelsey's case is not cold and that they can't arrest anyone without reaching a specific legal standard of probable cause, which is true. They say they can interview people but can't force them to talk. Cough, Dante Cough and that they can't use unlawful methods to solve a case. Yes, we know you're not Dexter. They say that they're involved because Kelsey's car was found in Pueblo and that she had been missing for a week before Denver police contacted them. First of all, the last place Kelsey ever was was in Pueblo. Regardless of where she was reported missing from, she went missing in Pueblo, so their department is involved because whatever happened to Kelsey happened in their jurisdiction. And blame Denver all you want for not knowing about her disappearance for a week, but it's been almost a year now. The other 50 weeks of this investigation with no results is not on them. Now, this isn't to say that they're not working behind the scenes and making headway that no one knows about. But if you want to play the blame game over a week in the beginning of an investigation into a pregnant woman who's been missing for damn near a year, that one week you didn't know about it isn't impressing anyone. They continue on to say that they've been in constant contact with Kelsey's family, which might be true, but they're certainly not telling them much considering the fact that the family set up a whole-ass search only to find out that in the end, the police had already combed through that area. And frankly, I don't think Kelsey's family hired a PI and held a rally to put public pressure on the department because they felt like her case was being investigated adequately. They note that Kelsey's boyfriend has and continues to be a person of interest, Dante, his name is Dante, and that they've worked with other agencies and private agencies to try and locate Kelsey. They wrap up their petty session by saying, and I shit you not, that the investigators assigned to her case are dedicated professionals who, besides the members of her family and friends, may be the only other advocates for Kelsey, Excuse me, Kelsey has an army of advocates behind her. Don't you dare say that you're the only ones. From everyone volunteering to search for her, everyone wearing shirts and making signs for that rally, begging the police to do their job, and the more than 10,000 people following her case on the Help Find Kelsey Facebook page— Rest assured, Kelsey has no shortage of advocates, and that's why they're upset, and that's why you made this Facebook post. Kelsey's advocates want something done. They want her found, and they want the person responsible for the disappearance of her and her unborn child held accountable for whatever they did to them. On January twenty fifth, two 2014, two vigils are held for Kelsey one where she lived and one where she went missing, and all of the Kelsey advocates that the Pueblo Police Department seems to think don't exist show up to light a candle and say a prayer for her and her unborn baby. The investigation into Kelsey's disappearance reaches the one-year mark on February 4th of 2014, and Dateline features her on their Missing in America piece she is finally getting the national attention that her case needs. A few days later, Nine News comes through again and adds a new piece to Kelsey's puzzle. The acquaintance she was supposed to meet at the Pueblo Walmart on the 4th was, in fact, Dante, even though his grandmother's house was literally less than a mile away why would he have his pregnant girlfriend drive almost two hours down to see this surprise he had for her, only to have her meet him in a Walmart parking lot? In the usual fashion of this case, months go by without any news, no updates, nothing, and Kelsey's family has had enough. On April 4th, 2014, they've had enough of this close-to-the-vest crap, and they decide that they're going to start releasing their own information. They post to the Help Find Kelsey Facebook page that Dante is the one who had possession of Kelsey's car the whole time. The figure in the photos at Walmart in the hospital is Dante. They say that Dante told police about several places that he and Kelsey had allegedly gone together around the time she went missing, including the hospital, but Kelsey doesn't appear on any of the security videos at those places. Only Dante does. Shortly after this, the Denver Post adds that Dante's family was there at St. Mary Corwin Hospital to pick him up when he ditched Kelsey's car there. Yes, we're all feeling the same way right now. On May 31st and June 28th of 2014, Kelsey's family organizes two more searches, but they stop announcing where they're going to search. Instead, they tell the public where to meet, what to wear or bring to help, and take everyone to the search areas after they get there. You see this happen a lot when families of missing persons are worried that people might be following their searches to keep track of how close they are to whatever the perpetrator is hiding. Everyone holds out hope that maybe finding Kelsey's body will finally get Dante arrested because no one can figure out why in the hell he hasn't been already? The only explanation is that it's because there's no body. On July 24, 2014, the Pueblo Police Department shocks the freaking world when they announce that they're conducting a search in West Pueblo, not South Pueblo, where most of the other searches have taken place, and they say that they're utilizing canines and other agencies. No information was ever shared of what, if anything, came of that search, but finally, there was a small sense of relief that the department was doing something, and it felt like maybe they were close to a break in the case. But again, months and months and months pass with nothing. Kelsey's family continues on with their own searches, even through some health scares that send her mom to the hospital. In a search they held that September, they ask people to wear waders and bring rakes as they search through water and extremely dense tumbleweed. But again, nothing is found. Fast forward to the two-year anniversary of Kelsey's disappearance, February 4th of 2015, and the police say that they're going to be holding a press conference. But it never happens. They cancel it with no explanation whatsoever. KKTV does an anniversary piece and Kelsey's mom tells the station that the police actually stopped communicating with her in March of 2014, literally two months after their petty Facebook post where they seem to use their constant communication with Kelsey's family as a way to defend themselves to the public. This missing girl's family hasn't been contacted by the department investigating her disappearance and suspected death in almost a year, which means that they had to learn about that search in West Pueblo back in July through the freaking media. Can you fucking imagine? They're over the bullshit, and on February 6 of 2015, the Denver Post announces that Kelsey's family does what the police won't. They file a wrongful death suit against Dante, his mother, his grandmother, and another one of his family members. The outlet releases contents of the lawsuit that includes details of how Dante and his mother sent Kelsey a plethora of texts trying to get her to drive down to Pueblo that evening of the 4th back in 2013. It says that Kelsey got to Walmart at 11.20 p.m. that night, but Dante wasn't there. The lawsuit claims that around midnight, after waiting in the Walmart parking lot for 40 minutes, Dante texts Kelsey to meet him at another location. ABC News says that the second location was a street near his grandmother's house, again, less than a mile away. Kelsey leaves the Walmart and heads that way, and at 12.23 a.m. on the 5th now, she sends a text to Dante asking him again where he is and that she'd been waiting for him for over an hour. They believe that this is the last text ever sent from her phone indicating that she was alive. Dante lured Kelsey de Pueblo under the expectation of a surprise she had to see to believe, only to ask her to meet him at a Walmart parking lot, not show up, and then ask her to meet him at a street close to his grandmother's house, a location that would not be littered with potential witnesses or security cameras. Fast forward to 3:54 a.m. on the 5th. Dante called Kelsey's phone 2 times, and according to the wrongful death suit, the pings from both of their phones were within close proximity of one another. They believe that Dante was calling Kelsey's phone to try and locate it. After that call, it says that several texts were sent between Dante and Kelsey's phone, but that the text didn't make any sense were out of context, and the wording, spelling, grammar, and verbiage used were not the way Kelsey would type, and they don't believe it was Kelsey sending any of them, let alone any of the texts that were sent from that point on until her phone ultimately died the morning of the 7th. Seven and a half hours later, at 11.29 a.m. on February 5th, Dante was seen on security footage at a bank in Pueblo. He was driving Kelsey's car and Kelsey was nowhere to be seen. Dante then proceeded to use Kelsey's debit card at the ATM at that bank and withdraw $400. After leaving the bank, he's seen dropping off Kelsey's car at the Walmart and walking around to the back where his mother and grandmother picked him up and drove him away. Kelsey's car sat there overnight before being picked up the next morning by a man dropped off by a vehicle owned by a member of Dante's family. If your jaw is currently on the floor, you're not alone, and that's why Kelsey's family filed a second civil lawsuit. The second suit they filed was against the detective assigned to Kelsey's case, a sergeant on her case, and the deputy chief of the Pueblo Police Department. You see, according to the lawsuit, which the Denver Post and ABC News did an incredible job covering, Dante's mom was regularly late on rent until February of 2013, you know, when Kelsey went missing and Dante withdrew $400 from Kelsey's bank account. Seven months later, in September of 2013, Dante's mother's landlord got a notice that the utilities to the house were being shut off, so he went down there to check on it. When he got there, it looked like it had been completely abandoned, but not recently. There were maggots both in the kitchen and in dirty laundry that had been left behind. So, I mean, these people dipped, and they dipped fast. The landlord wound up having to do a ton of repairs on the house to get it back in living condition in order to be able to rent it out again, and one of those repairs included replacing the carpet. But when they pulled it up, they were shocked at what they found. When the landlord went to pull up the old carpet in the living room, the bottom of it was soaked in what the landlord said looked like blood. And furthermore, it looked like there were drops leading from the living room and into a closet where he found what looked like another pool of blood. The lawsuit says that the landlord contacted the Pueblo Police Department and offered them full access to the house, but they never came. He waited weeks, but no one ever came to check out the suspected pools of blood beneath the carpet in Dante's mother's now-abandoned rental. Eventually, the landlord disposed of the carpet, not knowing the full gravity of Kelsey's case, and it was never tested. It wasn't until January of 2014 when he said he was finally contacted by the detective on Kelsey's case, but was told that they decided not to conduct any further investigation into the home, which is fucking insane. They had full access to the house Dante's mother abandoned, where there was suspected blood pools soaked into the bottom of the carpet, and they just weren't going to check it out. Regardless of the carpet being disposed of, police could have tested the subflooring or, frankly, any other square inch of that house and the land it sat on for any evidence of Kelsey, but they chose not to. If this was blood, they could have tested it to see if it was Kelsey's. If it was, they would have finally had a crime scene. If they were able to measure the approximate amount of blood loss, they could have determined whether or not it was survivable, which, like in the Jennifer Doulos and Monica Moynan cases, could have resulted in them finally turning this missing person's case into a homicide investigation. But no, it was ignored. All of it. And that was just the beginning of the fuckery that ensued. The lawsuit claims that as of February 5th, 2015, two years since Kelsey went missing, there has been nothing listed within the Pueblo PD's online database indicating that Kelsey's disappearance has ever been logged as an open investigation, let alone been assigned a case number with the department. A case number has never been given to Kelsey's family nor their P.I., which is so insane that it's almost hard to believe, but so is the idea that they wouldn't take the silver platter that was Dante's mom's abandoned rental either. It just keeps going, though. In March of 2014, the lawsuit says that a guy was fishing with his girlfriend in Minoqua Lake just two miles from that Walmart when he says his line got snagged on what he believes was a human head and a torso. He reported it to this detective and even went out to the lake to show him where it happened. The detective reportedly told the fisherman that he'd get a dive team out there to search the lake, but this lawsuit claims that that was never done. But there's literally more. The next part of the lawsuit talks about Kelsey's car after it was recovered from the St. Mary Corwin parking lot on March 14th of 2013. According to the lawsuit, the detective assigned to Kelsey's case lied to the family and told them that her car had been wiped clean and no evidence was recovered. However, it notes that this detective later confessed that they'd found what they suspected to be dried bodily fluids and two large palm prints on the front seat headrest. I'll remind you that Dante is 6'7" the detective allegedly told the family that the evidence that apparently didn't exist in the beginning didn't return anything. But it doesn't sound like Pueblo PD did a whole lot of processing of Kelsey's car, because when her family's PI took a look at it, he found three fingerprints on the driver's side visor that the detectives had missed, And not only that, he also found damage to the undercarriage of her car and what he believes to be a human hair found within that damage to her undercarriage, as if maybe Kelsey had been run over with her own vehicle. According to the lawsuit, the detective on Kelsey's case was there when the prints, damage, and suspected human hair were found and refused to take it in as evidence. Again, if your blood is reaching its boiling point, you're not alone. Kelsey's family has investigated her disappearance relentlessly. They've conducted their own searches, they've hired their own investigator, released their own information, and brought together a community of people who want to try and help them solve what they believe to be the murder of their daughter. And at every turn, they've hit a wall but they weren't about to let that slow them down. I'd love to tell you the outcome of these lawsuits and what happens next, but that is going to have to wait until next week. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Kelsey's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. And join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about how utterly frustrating this case is. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you part two of Kelsey's case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.